Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Morgan Calton and tonight, after their great performance last time out, we've got an unchanged lineup. So can I please welcome back Matt Baldwin. Hello there. And John Shorb. Hi. All right, guys, we've got a lot to get through tonight. Obviously, since we've been on last time, we had the uh, last-minute Middlesbrough winner. We had the domination of Burton Albion at the weekend. Brand new signing. We've got the Barnsley game coming up on Saturday. And also look at sort of, you know, are there any more transfer targets out there that we possibly haven't sort of looked at? Uh, or if there's been any rumours of anyone else coming in. We've also got a few um, questions to answer uh, that we've had uh, put through via Twitter. So we'll look into those. First off, let's uh, take a quick look at the Middlesbrough game. Obviously, this was a tight game. Fulham did not look overly impressive for the most part. So obviously, we rode our luck somewhat during the game. One of the big talking points, especially from the Middlesbrough point of view, was Callas's body slam on the Middlesbrough player in the penalty box. Was that a penalty? Matt? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is one of the, it's one of the games that we grind out and it's going to, we're going to look back on and think ourselves lucky that we got that we got out of it with three points. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you look at that and go, that is a nailed on penalty. I don't know what the referee was looking at or how he interpreted it. I guess it, you know, if you're looking at it from a certain angle at first, it may have seemed like a sort of 50-50 battle and then it just turned into full-on wrestling move. John, did you, I assume you think it was a penalty as well or with another view on it? Well, uh, yeah, slightly Fulham-tinted glasses. I mean, I think there was contact against Callis first that, you know, eventually what he did, yes, but, you know, the ref could, in theory, have blown up for that. Um, I think we were lucky. Our penalty was was a soft, I think, a penalty, but that, yeah, could have could have been given. It all stems from the referee being a Sunderland fan, depending on who you ask. Did anyone see? You must have seen the Middlesbrough fan TV reaction afterwards. Oh, it was yeah, all brilliant was stuff. <laughs> We've got we've gone to a stage where we're annoying other teams' fans, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, the guy looked visibly upset. Like, you know, that was, I think he was about to start crying. And it was like, well, this is getting a little bit sad. But, you know, I understand his disappointment. But, you know, I think he was uh, somewhat going over a little bit on the dramatic side. Maybe for the sort of um, fan TV effect, maybe he is actually just that passionate. And <laughs> I don't know. Having a referee who has made it to that level, I don't think he's done it by being biased towards teams in the sort of certain area or against teams in the certain area of uh, Sunderland. Yeah. I mean, what what I found funny was that he was criticising, he was criticising Borough, who really, I thought, you know, they didn't score, but they played bloody well. I mean, if we played like that and lost, I would be annoyed, but I wouldn't be giving the team a hard time. I mean, I think Middlesbrough are actually going to be up there um, come the end of the season and and I wouldn't fancy playing them in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, I mean, on our day, we can we could beat them, but um, I think that would be one we could try and avoid, maybe. I think you know when you do have a poolist team, you know you're going to get an organised side, especially at this level. It's not pretty, but it will be effective. So I think you're right. I think they will sort of you know get back to winning ways. To be fair, they weren't doing that badly when Monk was fired. So I don't think it really needs that much just to sort of push them up. And I think you're right. I think they will be up sort of around the playoff uh, playoff places come the end of the season. But moving on from that game, um, I, don't, I don't think we need to speak about our penalty decision. It was a clear penalty and Norwood banged it away, uh, as he has reliably uh, done uh, a few times. But I mean, shall we move on to 
what has to be one of the most dominant performances we've seen for quite a long time against Burton Albion. It was one of those games, you know, as we had last season, you know that we should beat them. Uh, invariably, they'd come in with a sort of uh, a plan to sort of thwart us at all opportunities. Uh, but I think from the get-go, they just didn't really seem in the game. Um, and I think sort of, although they did try and sort of, you know, get us a bit harder than we're sort of a little bit used to, I think just as soon as that early goal went in, I just don't think they really stood a chance. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, more or less same thing. Once we once we got the first goal, I reckon I reckon the goals were always going to start flowing in. But I thought that Burton Albion were going to put up you know, a little bit more of a fight than they did. But in in the same way, I'm not all that excited about. I I said this after I can't remember what I can't. We when we trounced another team a couple of weeks ago, that I'm not going to get. Who do we beat when we, they were down? Oh, Was it Ipswich? Yeah, same thing. I'm not going to get overexcited about beating a team 6-0 who are arguably the worst team in the division, you know, and against us who are, you know, we everyone knows that we can attack and that, you know, we could easily score six every week. It's just, and it was always going to be a case of our defence is what's going to be holding us back. So I'm not sort of saying, right, this is it. Let's kick on. You know, this is this is who we are. Because we already knew who we are, we already knew that we had great attacking, great attacking play, and I'll admit it was at least it's good to see you know different goal scorers popping up. Good for Rory Fodd getting on the score sheet. I think he's got a lot of stick from the from the fans, and it's good to see that he's actually got something. He's got something about him, even you know even if it is against one of the one of the lower teams in the division. I think what, sort of with with uh, a scoreline like this. Obviously, it shows how one-sided it, you know, it was. But I think, from a confidence point of view, I think you can push on from something like this. I think you know these players are clearly sort of, you know, they're a good. There's a good sort of bond between them. Um, you know, when they scored, it was sort of lots of sort of hugging, sort of yeah, clapping, sort of between the group. So I think having something as you know uh, efficient as that performance, I think can sort of set them on to sort of, you know, carry on this winning run. And bearing in mind, although Burton were terrible, they had won their last three away games. Um, so they weren't sort of, you know, they hadn't come just to roll over. They were coming on the back of quite, you know, confidence-boosting wins. So, you know, it's, it's nothing to be scoffed at, I don't think, as a result, even though it was, you know, obviously very one-sided. John? Yeah. Um, as I said, it's more, I'd, I'd say the defence would probably get more confidence out of this as I said because th- this is back-to-back clean sheets which is for the first time this season so as I said that's sort of where our promotion challenge is sort of going to be riding from here on out and now that the defense has got you know that confidence behind it I, the, the attacking is always going to be as I as I said before we could we could score six every week it's the defense that now they're going to get the chance to sort of step up and take it from there uh, John you got any thoughts on that I actually think that performance could could be quite big for our season and maybe, you know, turn a corner. We had quite a few players, strikers especially, you know, not scoring. We were frustrated with them. And then there were so many good performances in that game and no bad ones. Hopefully, the likes of Rui Font, Kamara came on and scored a lovely goal at the end. Um, Norwood, after I watched him against Southampton, wasn't good. I mean, he had an exceptional game. Um, unlucky to be taken off, really. And... Well, the whole team, really. There's no one that did badly. I thought Fred caused them chaos and obviously Cesc grabbing a couple of scruffy goals. But 
you know, had a couple of mil on his price tag. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we haven't actually scored that freely all season. And I think scoring early is something that our style of play doesn't need, but it's such a huge, huge help when we can actually get that goal. And, and I mean, even Bridge um, scored too many in the second half, even for them to, you know, have, have much of a game plan. So um, good for morale, you know, it, it it keeps people asking the manager questions, you know, play me, I'm, I'm scoring. And hopefully, um, you know, that's the sign of things to come from Font, who has been frustrating. But, um, you know, he is a trier. He, he always puts, he's putting himself about a lot more than he did. And I think he's kind of wisened up to the physicality. So, so many good things coming from one game, albeit against a poor opposition, you know, can't do any damage at all. And I mean, two clean sheets. I can't remember Button make, um, Bettinelli making a save. And that was the same with no shots on target in the Middlesbrough game, although he did make a few kind of blocks and what have you. But um, yeah, let's keep, keep, keep that up. It would be lovely. I think with uh, the case of Font, I mean, he's obviously lacking confidence completely sort of leading up to that game. I mean, not scored since the Ipswich away game. And I don't know if it was uh, just, I mean, obviously he had a couple of, well, one particularly easy finish and the other one was sort of, you know, he was a good poacher's finish. But his link-up play with Piazon, you know, whether that has a, you know, the same on the same language, I don't think so. I mean, it was just, I think Piazon had a particularly good game. You know, sort of, is that something that we can now look forward to over the next few weeks? You know, the link-up between those two, or is it just happened to be a particularly good game for them both? I think Piazon is absolutely massive. I mean, he's not been back long. And um, to be in that kind of form, he's looked sharp. And he does kind of, does, he can unlock things that other players you know, can't sometimes when we're, when we're struggling to break them down, he kind of has he has that about him. And to be playing this well that well after you know a long, long layoff is is really promising. You know, if he can get fitter and keep up that level, you know, that could be massive for us in our push for promotion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, as we said, you know, it was an all round good game. Tom Kenny back in the team on his birthday as well. He came on and sort of looking again at the sort of at the highlights of it. Uh, he came on and he was moving around fairly casually. I don't know if that was more to do with the fact that the sort of the game had been killed off by that point. Um, but looking at it, he didn't look like he was sort of, you know, 100% fit uh, by any stretch. But it was probably a good time to bring him back in because I don't think, you know, he was going to have to do. It wasn't a lot of hard work to be done. Are we still are we worried that this injury is still persisting and it could affect him sort of as we sort of lead into the sort of the final stretch of the season, or is this just merely a he just needed sort of sort of a couple of games off, Matt? Yeah, I yeah I go with that. I think. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it's it's just a case of breathing him, uh, bringing him in slowly, so we don't get him re-injured again. Because that's the worst thing we need is for him to be out two weeks, say, then come back rushed and then be out for a month. So again, so a game like Burton Albion is you know. When we were what three four nil up at the, t- at the time, again just ease him in slowly. You know, I wouldn't be averse to keeping him on the subs bench on the weekend, for instance. But you know, so again, just take take it slowly because we've got sort of we we've shown that we can do okay without Tom Kenny. Yes, he's probably the main guy that you want to build the team around, but we've shown that we can. We're okay without him. That's not me saying that we should sell him, God forbid, but let's he's not as crucial as we first thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had to learn to play without him this season. I mean, he obviously, you all know he's a great player. He is sort of the, 
the creative element of that midfield. But obviously with Piazon playing so well, it kind of, you know, it showed that, you know, there is, there is hope after Kearney. Not, I'm not saying that we're selling him, but I'm saying that, you know, should he, should he be injured and Piazon's fit? You kind of got a, almost like a similar player there. And I think sort of if he does need um, a little bit more time just to sort of get that sort of knee better, um, then it, yeah, you're right. It's not the worst thing. And potentially at Barnsley, do we look to go with the same starting lineup as we did against Burton? And then sort of, again, just bleed him back in over the last 20, 30 minutes or so. Yeah, what, what worries me about his injury is, I, you know, it seems to come and go a bit. And I think that's what they've said in the media reports. But I almost thought he was he seemed to be getting better and better when we actually were playing him. And I, I worry that if he's playing, he might end up, you know, not match sharp. And then we've got another problem with him. It, it did actually, he seemed to be kind of saying, oh, it's getting better and better. And that was games he was starting and playing most of. So now, now we're resting. I mean, obviously, we need to do what's best to make sure that when he does come back, he's good. But, um, you know, I think probably that's the reason why he came on in a game that was already won. Um, just to keep him, you know, keep himself ticking over, keep Matt sharp, basically, and, and hopefully the management are doing the right thing. I mean, you never know with these injuries, but fingers crossed we see him back before long. Uh, I think uh, sort of, as we said, you know, would he start against Barnsley? And we can move on to sort of, you know, I mean, obviously that was, uh, the Burton result was fantastic. Now we've got, uh, you know, a tricky trip up to Barnsley. Uh, they're not playing well. They will be sort of um, somewhat sort of, up for this game. I don't know if you saw the news, uh, the sad news sort of um, yesterday um, about the uh, Barnsley chairman passing away after a long battle with cancer. Um, And so obviously it's going to be a very sort of uh, emotional atmosphere at the ground. Teams can sort of um, play better. They can up up their game when the sort of the atmosphere is like that. I remember when um, just after Johnny Haynes had passed away and we played Liverpool at home and we won 2-0 and the atmosphere in the ground was it was uh it was very strange it was very emotional but it was very sort of um there was you know the buzz around the place really sort of buoyed the team on and so i do wonder if there will be a similar sort of situation on that uh, on that level this weekend yeah i i'd I'd, I'd imagine there would be and obviously thoughts go out to everyone involved uh, obviously involved at barnsley but sort of sticking on the pitch when barnsley came down to craven cottage early in the season they were a Bit of a tough side to break down. They, you know, it was. You know, we only scraped by two one, and Floyd Aite with an excellent goal from outside the area. So they, it's not going to be. You know, Barnsley near the bottom of the table. It's not going to be an easy game. Personally, I don't think. No, not at all. I mean, you know, this is a cliche, but you know, there are there are no easy games in the championship. I mean, obviously that one on Saturday proved a lot easier than we thought it would be. But you know, going away to a team like Barnsley, you're, you're not guaranteed a result. I mean, they're not on the worst run. They've only lost one in the last five. They've got, uh, you know, they've had three draws. But, you know, they, they won't be an easy team to break down. If we do play like we did on Saturday, then, you know, we've got a very good chance of winning it and, you know, and scoring a few goals. But, you know, we know all too well it's a very common occurrence for us to win easily and then, you know, not play particularly well the next game. So, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, I don't know in terms of the the striker option. Obviously, Font scored two, AK's come on and scored another. Do you think that we will stick with uh, Font up front, John? That's a very good question. I'm not entirely sure. It it depends on Slab's game plan, really. Are we going to just push them back and hope, you know, play like the home team, really, and expect them to defend deep? Then he's probably probably more useful with the intricate passings like that than than, um, 
than Kamara, who's a bit rawer. But um, you know, if we're kind of expecting them to push on to us, Kamara's it's up. It's hard to drop Kamara because he has been scoring, and that you know it's a bit unfair on him really because um, Font hasn't, and then he got a start. So it's fifty-fifty to me. I mean, I can't second guess Slav what he what he's going to do to be honest. But um, I I would probably go with um, with Kamara just because I think it's a bit unfair he got dropped, and uh, you know Font can always come on and, in the second half if things aren't working out. And sort of with the the midfield, I mean, do we think Kearney will start, or do we think having sort of seen him play on Saturday? Do you think it will be again bring him off the bench and sort of and seeing how he goes? I mean, obviously it's down to the down to the coaches and all that, to, and the um, you know medics to to assess how he's doing. But um, if there is any risk, I, I would leave him on the bench. I mean, he's a great player to bring on. Tiring legs, you know. If we're still in the game, he can he can be very very effective, you know. So I leave it to them. But it's a game we could probably win without him. And um, if it's in his best interest to sit sit it out, at least you know some of it out, then I think that's probably probably what I'd what I would do. Well, I think um, sort of looking at the results of the weekend, Barnsley were sort of very susceptible early on in the game at Aston Villa, and I think they were three 0 down within about sort of fifteen twenty minutes. Um, so I think you know there is that possibility of getting that quick start against them. Obviously, they would have been you know sort of drilled in training on you know how not to do that again this time round, and they will be coming up against sort of you know, quick attackers, assuming that Cess is playing on the left wing again. And then whoever goes out on the right, be it Piazon or um, who was playing, who was playing right on Saturday? Piazon. Yeah, Piazon was there. Yeah. Who was, 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 was playing through the middle? Oh, that's right. You had, you had um, Norwood, McDonald and Johansson in the middle. And again, you know, with Fredericks as well, you know, sort of plowing down the right-hand side, you know, it's the same old story. You know, it, we do have that sort of, great speed asset, which will really sort of, uh, I guess, Barnsley will be looking to uh, thwart early on. Yeah, and I think Tom Kearney, uh, going back, getting back to Tom Kearney, I think, I, if personally, if I was if I was Jokanovic, I'd, I'd keep him on the bench, personally. Again, as I say, we don't want to rush him back. And he sort of works both ways, because if we are struggling, say, and we are struggling to break them down, then he's the perfect guy you want to bring up bring off the bench and start, you know, upping the tempo. But also, he's also got the ability that if we are, you know, uh, three, four nil up again, he's very he's very good at slowing down the pace of the game as well. So we can bring him on in either, so we can bring him on in either situation. He's also very good at playing very good on the counter-attack. That ball to Kamara, for instance, for the sixth goal was absolutely sublime, it must be said. Yeah, no, definitely agree. I mean, it was threaded through, Straight to his, you know, ran onto it perfectly. Uh, yeah, but yeah, perfect you sort of watched that ball over and over, and it was just, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, big questions that has been asked at the moment with the questions that we had submitted for the podcast, uh, one by Robert Land, who has asked, Will Matt Target start on Saturday? Of course, we signed um, Matt yesterday from Southampton on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, answers that question uh, one of, uh, Will Cess play left wing? And two uh, is Suarez going back to Porto. And I think, you know, both those can be answered with a yes. The question is, you know, will Slav uh, throw him straight in or will he be a bit more cautious as we've come to expect with his loan signings and stick with the door at left back? Um, Personally, I'd, I'd, I, I personally would start him. You know, we, we bought him in for a reason and the quicker we can get him you know, acclimatized and 
you know, working out how we play, then the, then the better we will be going forward. Maybe he's not the right, uh, for instance, we, he may not be the person we want, so we can find that out straight away. So we've bought him for a reason. We may as well, we may as well play him. Plus, we then would have a doy on the bench just in case things aren't going going right. Maybe he's a bit slow settling in. We could bring him off the bench because he's a very good uh, utility player to bring off or bring on rather. John, what are your thoughts on Target? Um, I mean, I've not seen him play, so I don't want to judge that. I, I have to say, I feel quite sorry for a doy who just gets played everywhere and does a pretty good job every time he's asked for. And he, he had a few blips, but you know, really. He does whatever's asked him well, and um, yeah, I do feel for him. Although, it, on the same breath, watching watching um, on Saturday, you know, there's just Fred. Fred was just killing them on the right, and you know, Doy's just he he hasn't got that in his locker really. And if we could have that on both sides, teams are going to struggle with us even more so than you know than they are at the moment. So, whether he starts or not, I mean, we've bought him. We might as well put put him in there, but. Whether he needs time to get through the system and whether what to do on set pieces and things like that—that that, that's the only kind of snag I can see. Yeah, I mean it's quite exciting to think that if we can have two, you know, even a bit like last season with Malone bombing in and scoring goals and assists, um, if we can have that on both sides, it's going to give teams even more problems than we do at the moment. Basically, I don't really know uh, what his strengths are. Um, I think uh, I don't like you, John. I don't really know a huge amount about him. I know that. Southampton fans held him in quite high regard, although they're now saying that, you know, perhaps he's not quite fulfilling his potential, mainly down to the fact that he had a really bad injury last season and hasn't really kicked on uh, since he's come back to fitness. So I don't know if he's just a reliable left back. I don't know if he is a Malone-esque serger. I don't think uh, there are too many like Fredericks in the league. Um, I think if we, as long as he's, you know, a solid left back that gives Cess that sort of, the confidence to run, uh, run forward, then I think that will be, you know, a good, you know, a good role for him. I don't think we can expect too much in the way of sort of, you know, assists or anything, or, you know, the odd, the odd goal here and there. I think, you know, what we're getting is a good young, uh, left back without sort of, you know, without knowing much about him really, I guess. I see your point there, but I mean, that just makes me ask, why are we replacing a doy? Because he's kind of ticks all the boxes you've just said, and he doesn't provide goals and assists, really. But what, why get someone else in if, if we just get, you know, I, I'm hoping that he is a bit more offensive. And that's that's why we've tar- targeted, blind, didn't even mean to do that. But that's why we've gone for him, basically, to... um. Uh, because otherwise you're just getting another Adoy, and I think Adoy will always be useful because he can play in various positions. But if I was him, I'd be pissed off if you kind of got a player in on loan who wasn't, you know, wasn't much more attacking him. That's his kind of one limitation, really. John is wrong for he's pulling back in defences. So I'm hoping that the target is slightly different and actually more, you know, offers a little bit more going forward. I think. Well, I think. Oh, sorry. Carry oh, on, sorry. One thing we haven't considered with all this is. Are we buying Matt Target to put him at left back and then shifting a doy into centre back? I mean, we've talked about, you know, is Matt Target going to be replacing a doy? But could he just be sort of in addition to? Because there's been a lot of talk about whether or not we need a centre back. So could we be dropping either Kalos or Reem to the bench and then having a doy shift inside? In which case, would we then keep Suarez as the backup left back? 
Well, I think if uh, Ream was dropped now, there'd be civil war. Um, you know, he's, he's playing so well at the moment. And yes, OK, Callas hasn't been performing particularly well of late. But again, you know, we've got two clean sheets under our belt. Um, I think it would be uh, slightly misguided to sort of drop either the centre-backs at the moment. And I think, you know, while Adoy, again, you know, he is a useful utility player across the back. I don't think, you know, at this particular time, we'd be sort of like, you know, dropping one of the other two in order to put him in. Um, I thought maybe, I thought maybe there was sort of, you know, the chance that if they're still thinking about selling Fredericks, that he would be our sort of backup right back. Um, but again, I think, I think he's right. I think he is just that utility player and whether he'll be happy with that, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not a big fan of right-footed left backs. And I think it always, you know, looks a bit more uncomfortable than it does for a sort of, you know, a right-footed left winger. So maybe that was the idea. Maybe we just wanted someone who is a proper left back, knows how to play it, knows the game. Uh, I don't. I think Taggart played uh, in the championship last season. Oh, not last season. Did he actually had a loan spell in the championship? We know of. No, not that I'm aware of. I think he played about twenty five games for Southampton in the Premier League over his whole career, actually. But um, yeah, I don't know about the championship. Well, hopefully this will just you know it will just make sure that our sort of backline is a bit more solid because it does look a bit all over the place sometimes. I know we have kept two clean sheets. Last week, there was nothing really sort of that the defence had to do. And the week before, you know, there were there were mistakes and I think we were lucky not to be punished a couple of times. Um, so I think having a proper left back will add that some sort of, you know, sense of uh, solidity that maybe we haven't had, you know, as of late. Yeah, I think that's a good point Matt makes about Adoy in the middle. I think Slav does like to use him there, in my opinion, just to kind of get Callis kind of fighting for his place a bit, really. I mean, he's not performed as well as he did last season and Ream is looking, you know, clearly better than him at the moment. So um, nice to have someone kind of breathing down your neck to, to, to hopefully up Callis's game. But yeah, I do, as I say, I do feel a bit sorry for Adoy because he does what he asked. And, um, you know, if he is kind of phased out and gets less game time now, then... I'd be upset for him, but really, if we can get slightly more attacking threat from the left now, then then it's got to be a good thing. So, I mean, we have that one signing in the bag now. We haven't seen a huge amount of rumours aside from the sort of the Dwight Gale one that's come in uh, again and again and again. I don't know, uh, Matt. You mentioned something earlier that maybe we uh, there is um, a little bit more movement on that potentially. Yeah, just because after the whole rift with the Newcastle takeover. Basically, uh, Raf has been Raf Benitez and Newcastle has been promised three signings. One of them was Kennedy, the Chelsea midfielder, which is on his way. The second of which is going to be a record breaking forward, which will then mean that Dwight Gale can leave. So basically we're waiting for them to finish that signing before Gale can come to us. It's not really anything solid. But that's just a brief update, if you would. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, it's, it seems weird that they sort of, you know, they usually throw rumours out here and there and everywhere. Um, but it's gone, you know, it has gone very quiet on our front, uh, which from, you know, past instances, uh, that's usually a good thing because we've usually gone under the radar and sort of announced signings. Um, so maybe there are a couple of deals boiling, uh, boiling under the surface. Um, or maybe, you know, we aren't, I mean, we're just not looking at anyone else at the moment. Um, um, there but... is one, which is one of these, I'll believe it when I see it. But there has been talk 
uh, somewhere that we might be getting one of either Rob Holding or Callum Chambers from Arsenal. I think I did in... hear that one actually. Yeah. Again, I'm personally because I think Rob Holding and Callum Chambers are both both fine players. I'd love to have them, but I just don't see Arsenal getting rid of them. But they're right backs, aren't they? No, they're centre back. Well, Callum oh, Chambers centre-back. is a right back slash centre back, okay. and Rob Holding is a centre back. Okay, I think yeah, maybe if that were to materialise, there yeah, that would be a definite push on Callas. I think. Or again, it would be, you know, bringing in that healthy competition. Again, uh, Adoy would be looking at that and going, what about me, boss? Yeah. So I think that's probably more, that was probably more rumours, I guess. But I mean, you never know. If Slav has been given sort of like the the chance to choose the players that he can bring in, even if it is just loan signing, um, maybe that's what he's looking to do. But I would suggest that, you know, with Adoy sort of being, you know, being able to play that centre-back role, uh, then maybe, you know, we're not looking to strengthen that area and really sort of the focus will be on the striker position uh, for the next sort of week or so. Although after Saturday, people will be sort of, saying, you know, saying, you know, do we need another striker? It's it's very difficult to judge because, you know, if, if the current forwards keep playing as they are, then no, we don't. But, you know, they've not been consistent all season. So, you know, this is just a fits and starts. So they are now going to kind of keep banging. Really important, actually, is that if we do get someone in, They've got to be, you know, first team or, or really there. You know, we want them to improve the first 11 with kind of useful options. That's what we've done too much of um, recently. And I think, you know, get someone who's actually going to improve the, the starting 11 and let everyone else fight for their place because some players who can come in and do adequately. But, you know, if we get someone in, I'd like to see them really, you know, almost walking into the team ready championship players who are actually going to, haven't got necessarily come from the championship, but someone's just going to come in and kind of, you know, foot and just get cracking. Definitely. But so we're going to uh, back to our sort of list of questions that we've got. Obviously, you know, you get the usual ones, you know, who should we sign? You know, what are we going to get in terms of points? One question that we got in from Jamie Reed of uh, Fulham Commentary fame is if you could sign any past Fulham player to improve the team, who would it be and why? What would you say, Matt? Um, I say this not just because we are awaiting his magnificent Q&A on the uh, Full and Focus website, but it would be Breda Hangland. Oh, oh there, there's a wide, isn't there? As well. There um, is a wide, yeah. Yeah, there is. I was meant to give a wide. Oh, that is um, really good. Yeah, basically because I basically because I still think we're a threat from set pieces. Callis and Reem aren't exactly the tallest of fellows, so it gives a little bit of security at the back. Plus, it's Hangland. Come on, who doesn't love him? <laughs> uh, John, what about you? I think I'd have to go for Moose. It's, um, it's probably the best player I've ever seen play in a Fulham shirt. And with our possession of football, he, he just never left, let, lost the ball. He kept it so well. And um, yeah, he'd, he'd probably walk the three uh, I, I assume you mean Moose one S, not Moose two S's. Yeah, the Moose the first. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one, we, the one, the one, the one we had first, basically. No, I think I think I think you're right. I was thinking about this earlier. There's only two Moose. Uh, and you know, he. I think. As a footballer, Moussa Dembele was probably the best I've seen playing a Fulham shirt. You know, his ability to keep the ball at his feet was just ridiculous. Uh, when he left, I was uh, that was kind of the the saddest I'd been to see a player leave. But at the same time, you couldn't sort of like you know wish him any bad luck because you know he deserved to go to a team that was sort of higher up the league. Uh, I don't you know it's sort of like watching him these days. It doesn't seem to. Have moved on that much although you know Spurs fans love him I kind of uh, you know sort of quite get the feeling that he sort of materialised into a you know 
what looked like he could be uh, this you know world beater. I think it was quite funny actually because we sold uh, both him and Dempsey I think at the same time to Spurs and uh, when they both came back to play you know next time Spurs came to us you know Moose got the, uh, an incredible reception was. Um, Whereas uh, Dempsey didn't really. I mean, Dempsey had played with us for a lot longer and actually done a lot more with us, to be honest. But um, it was just fine. I think people just enjoyed watching um, Musa so much that he got such a warm reception. And I think, I mean, yeah, I think he's done pretty pretty well for Tottenham, to be honest. He's been injured this season, but for the last two, a lot of people I know who support them are saying kind of he's been their, one of their best players. So, obviously, not quite going to beat Harry Kane. He, just, he, he doesn't score goals, basically. He didn't with us and hasn't with them. And he does play deeper, but... Yeah, I think probably have to drop K Mac. Unfortunately, um, I, I, think, I, think, in, I think I think we could happily drop K Mac, even though he's been great. You know, and he's sort of again very good performance. Standard, I think we could sort of drop him to accommodate Musa in that team. We we'll play him centre back. Uh, I think I'd have to go for um, obviously you know Championship football. I think you know Louis Sahar from that season when we went up. Um, I think you know if we had him leading the line, I think we'd waltz it this time round. Can't argue with any of them. To be honest, they're all good. Well, my 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 other my other choice is Bobby Moore. I have him at centre back with Tim Ream. I think that'd be an amazing partnership. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't watch him play for Fulham, but um, I, I think they 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 say that he was um, very accomplished on the ball, so he would fit our style. Or on the other hand, we could go with uh, Van der Sar and sort of solve that uh, Button versus Bettinelli debate once and for all. We need the current eleven versus a he- heroes eleven, and we'll see pick a team from that really. <laughs> Um, okay, what, uh, let's have another question here. What do we expect to get points-wise in the next five games uh, against Barnsley, Forest, Bolton, Villa and Bristol City? And that is from a Fulham legend fan and friend of the show, Robert Wilson. And he thinks that we can get 12, uh, but he'd be happy with around 9 or 10. Uh, so this is all up next five. So I've just got the fixture list in front of me. One, two, three, four, five. Basically everything before Wolves. Um can't there's something about Aston Villa that's just bugging me a little bit I what well, I can't see the full I can't see the full 15 points maybe 13 mm, yeah I call it that every I'd say we'd win every game apart from Aston Villa where we draw so that'd be 13 points if my math is right yep yep 13 John uh, I'd, I'd definitely take 30 points. I think that's slightly optimistic. Um, I reckon we're probably going to get 10. I'd love 12. I think um, Barnsley, Forest and Bolton, we should both of them. But I think probably three wins are drawn a loss. Um, but hopefully for better. Yeah, I think um, obviously we're going to be looking to Barnsley as a, you know, as, a, as three points based on the fact that we did so well last weekend. It will be a tough game. But Forest at home, they've just been wolves away. I mean, that's, that, again, that's not an easy game. Bolton away, we've got a pretty good record up at uh, the Reebok or Macron Stadium, whatever it's called now. Villa is going to be a tough game. Steve Bruce has got them pretty well organised now. They've, um, you know, they've won how many is on the trot? They won four on the trot as well. And you know, early on in that game against Barnsley, they sort of dismantled them. And then uh, Bristol City away, yeah, not an easy place to go to. Obviously, we won. Was it last season? No, it was two seasons ago. We won four on one. Yeah, with uh, Simmons. So, you know, they all have their tough elements to them. I think, you know, we need to get at least three wins from that. I think we will suffer a defeat somewhere in there, uh, whether it's, you know, surprising uh, loss at home to Forest or, you know, Bristol City away. You know, they're, they've slumped a little bit since the, uh, the win against Man U in the, league, in the League Cup. 
So, you know, there is, you know, there is a chance to go there and sort of take points from that game. But I think, you know, they, they are tough games. And, you know, it would be good to get a win, a couple of wins under our belt, especially before playing Wolves. Bearing in mind that we're only eight points off second place now, you know, we do need to sort of start sort of kicking on. And hopefully, you know, if we get a couple of wins, Derby, Cardiff, uh, Villa um, start sort of dropping points, then, you know, this is going to get very interesting as we sort of head into sort of Easter time and towards the end of the season. I think actually slightly going back on my predictions, but I think our form against the teams up and around us is going to be absolutely vital to us kind of getting in the playoffs. Or, I mean, second looks a long way off, but eight points isn't too too bad. And there are a few teams who are, who are dropping down, kind of their form has dropped off quite severely. So if we can, you know, just win or draw against all of the teams in and around us, we're really going to give ourselves a fighting chance up there and um, just get 15 points. OK, so moving on to... Uh... Another question, and this is from our friends in Texas, at Fulham, Texas, on Twitter. Ownership achieved with lesser-known talent with the Jags. Can we get promoted the same way? What else do we need to go over the top and not end up just short like Jacksonville? So I don't know if either of you watched the, uh, the NFL on the weekend, but Jacks, uh, Jacksonville pulled up very short, uh, just short against the uh, Patriots. Uh, you know, it was a great performance you know, from a team who last season or, you know, previous seasons have been absolutely dreadful. And then, you know, they pulled this game out and, you know, they just, you know, you know, fell slightly short against sort of the best team of this generation. I'm not quite sure how we can compare ourselves to an American football team. Um, I think unlike, you know, Jacksonville, we do have some of the best players in the league. But, you know, what, what do we need to do to, you know, quiz phrase, get over the top and not end up just short? Well, I personally would take I, well, I would personally take issue with the whole. I don't want to go on an NFL rant here, but Jacksonville do have some excellent players. I, I, no, I, I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to. I don't want to alienate the non NFL fans. I and again, I, don't, I wouldn't. I would. I would sort of echo your point. I wouldn't say that these are quote unquote lesser known players. I think if you ask most people, taking sort taking sort of wolves out of it. Most people would say that Tom Kearney, or should say, Tom Kearney is the best midfielder in the championship. You know, Slavisa Kanovic, I'd argue, is the best manager in the champion, is the best manager in the championship, sort of at championship level. So, I, it's a hard, it's a hard one to answer, really. Um, I think just make sure that we get a decent referee for the playoffs. That'd be a, that'd be a good start. Let's not be bitter about the referees. We know they can be a bit dreadful at times. I mean, John, what do you what do you think we're missing? I mean, it's a, it is a bit of a tricky question. I mean, to be honest, I think this kind of probably stems from last January, where we were, you know, flying up the league, and people were kind of clamouring for for signings, and you know, no one of note was brought in. No one who really helped us was brought in. So it kind of felt with investment that could have been what we needed to go up. So. Um, I suppose, you know, a bona fide goal scorer who's done it in this league for a long time and a big towering centre-back who is good at the ball and quick and all the things that you probably can't afford in January um, would be lovely. But I think if we can just get one or two players in who are going to walk in or definitely be on the bench and fighting for a starting place and and actually strengthen the starting eleven is what, you know, we have to ask. And the club will come out saying they've got lists of players and this and that. And it's not an easy time to buy people, but... 
I think even just to placate the fans, you know, and just show them that they are trying and if even if they don't work out, you know, get some people in the door would, would probably be ease some of the pressure on the owners. So I do, do do think get quite a bit of unfair stick. But um, yeah, a better January than last January, I think, is what's in order. OK, and we've got time for one more quick question before we have to wrap it up this evening. And this is from Dale. Uh, he says, do you agree that the current squad is stronger than the one we had at this time last season? Matt? Uh, that's a tough one because there hasn't really been many if you sort of look at it man to man there hasn't really been that many changes unless we're saying unless we're basically swapping Chris Martin for Lucas Piazon it's more or less this it's more or less the same so uh, I no I no, I think it's not I no I don't think he can really I it's a hard one because I'd call them basically the same team Personally, yeah, John, would you, would you agree with that? I've kind of, I'm tempted, I tend to agree with that because we seem to have, you know, got like for like it. Uh, but I don't know if you've got another thought on it. Um, I mean, to be honest, we were really lucky last season with injuries, other than Piazon and um, with Kearney's knee. I mean, Norwood is definitely a better backup option than we had last season. Um, to be honest, and it's difficult with Martin because, to be honest, up until this point of the season, he'd done he'd done pretty well for us, you know. And I think he got twelve or thirteen last season, and you know our strikers aren't close to that. But then he really got next to nothing from now on in, if I remember correctly, and probably didn't start all that well. Started a few, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Chris Martin is probably a better, a more proven striker than what we have, and Nor, but then Norwood is a better backup. So I think we're pretty even, to be honest. Yeah, I think, you know, we haven't really changed our system. And so obviously our players have been brought in to accommodate, you know, be accommodated within that. So I think, you know, apart from losing a Luco, we haven't, and, you know, look at and Malone. Uh, yeah, we haven't really changed a huge amount. Um, I think, you know, in much the same way as last season, we're going into sort of the end of January on a good run. Um, so we could see a, see a very sort of similar, similar result to last time around. The fact that we're only eight points off the playoffs, uh, off the sort of off second place, does fill me with a bit more confidence. I think we're a bit further behind, and obviously Brighton and Newcastle looked like they were running away with it this time last uh, this time last season. So hopefully, because it is a bit more compact, you know, our good run can continue, and you know, rather than having to go through the sort of nightmare of the playoffs, we might be able to just pip that second spot. Or you know, if Wolves' defeat on Saturday was the start of um, a bad run, you know, who knows? We could you know, sneak up at the top. I, I think what's actually quite interesting and when we're talking about the window is um, if if you're not getting stronger, then it's hard to tread water. So we should be looking to be stronger season on season. So, you know, that is um that is a point to kind of to raise anyway. We we you, you always want to look to strengthen and if we have summer and we're no better off, it probably proves that that wasn't really working all that well to be honest. Right, on that note, guys, I'm afraid we've got to bring it to a close. Thank you very much for joining me, Matt and John. Great uh, great chat. Uh, we'll be back, um, when we'll be back, we'll be back after the Forest game. So hopefully uh, we'll have a couple more wins under our belt by that point. And uh, yeah, climbing the table. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter uh, on at Fulham Focus. Keep an eye on the website. Uh, we'll have a number, a number of uh, Q&As coming up. And obviously, uh, as and when our next podcast comes out, You'll be the first to know. Thanks very much.
Fulham. <laughs>